All right, welcome into Honorado and Bagnardi. Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi, hanging out with you and ready to talk with Kevin Herter from the Atlanta Hawks, of course, the Shen grad. He's our guest on today's show. Bags cannot wait to talk to the man they call Red Velvet. How are you, brother? The man you call Red Velvet. I am well. Uh, listen, this is a significant downgrade for you. In Ooh. a week, you have gone from Maui to Malta. And all due respect to your hometown, man, that is a significant downgrade. But there is one piece of good news with you coming back to New York this week. The biggest news, we are now going mask-free in most situations if you're fully vaccinated. So that is a big step in the right direction. Yeah, look, we're all ready to get back to what we remember as normal, right? And this is a significant step, that's for sure. All right, let's get going into this show. We've got the NBA playoffs right around the corner. Forget this play-in tournament garbage, although last night's Lakers-Warriors game was a lot of fun. We're <laughs> going to talk about that. Uh, but we're ready to preview Hawks-Knicks with our guy Kevin Herter. We had another no-hitter as well, Bags. Let's get it all going on Honorado and Bagnardi. This is Honorado and Bagnardi, brought to you by Outfit House. All right, Bags, another no-hitter Wow! in Major League Baseball. I mean, unbelievable. We've got six of them so far this season. Corey Kluber is the guy who does it on Wednesday night for the New York Yankees, and he becomes part of, you know, that that storied Yankee lore, of course. But six is the number that everybody is talking about here because it's only one shy of the Major League Baseball record for a single season in the modern era. Now, I'm going to throw 1884 out of the window. I don't know what you want to do, Bags, but for me, I'm getting rid of that number. This is number six, and we're only the middle of May and one shy of a Major League record, man. This is crazy. Yeah, I know it's crazy because we just started doing this show on the Channel 13 platform, and I think this is like the third time we've talked about a no-hitter because <laughs> it feels like something you have to talk about, right? Because a no-hitter is a big deal. It's it's something that's really hard to do, right? Is that yes, still an accurate yes. statement despite the fact that it's been done six times in, in a month and a half here? Still very difficult to do. I mean, if if 2021 blows the, the no-hitter number out of the water and it becomes 15, 18, something like that, maybe we say this is more of a trend than an anomaly. And we'll ask that question here later on to get your thoughts on it. But I think it's still very difficult to do. Yeah, because here's the thing. We could have a no-hitter tonight, Right. Or we could not have one the whole rest of the season. Yes. That's sort of the beauty of it. Um, it's it's a very difficult thing to do because a lot of factors have to come into place. Of course, you've got to be on your game. And, if, and, and look, the team you're pitching against helps too. And we've seen a team get multiple no-hit now. In a, so Bags yeah. have been six no-hitters and just three teams have three been teams. on the opposing side of it. Exactly. So certainly bad offense comes into play. Um, we are seeing bad offense across the league. We're seeing good pitching too, but 
a part of that bad offense is then the really bad offense, the worst of the worst, and those seem to be the teams now getting no hits. So I still put a lot of stock into it. We've talked about it as being something like, okay, it's not always a Hall of Fame type guy who gets it done, so then is it a big deal? And I said yes, because it's about that night. It's about one game, one guy just having it all being unhittable for that night. And that's what we're really celebrating is the one night accomplishment. We don't have to celebrate their whole career for what they did on that one night. So I do still put a ton of stock into it, despite the crazy numbers this season. I guess the question for me to you would be, how many do we have to see before you start to say, boy, something is weird here? Are we there already? No, and I'm not even going to jump to that conclusion based on one season. So if we see these over a five-year trend where you're getting double-digit no-hitters every year, I'm going to, okay, yeah, clearly there's an issue in Major League Baseball where guys just aren't making contact, aren't putting the ball in play, aren't putting pressure on the defense, uh, aren't being selective in the box about which pitches they swing at and don't swing at. Remember, and let's look at what Kluber did last night here, okay? I mean, well, that nine innings pitch. Boy, if he went 12, that would really be something. <laughs> that would he be. went nine innings, okay? Right. Um, and and he was so good, Bags, that the only blemish on his record last night or on the stat line was a four-pitch walk in the third inning. He only 101 pitches. If you briefly looked at the board there, only 101 pitches. I mean, he didn't labor through this. How often do we no. talk about, are they going to send him back out there in the eighth or ninth inning because he's approaching 130 pitches? That was never an issue for Aaron Boone on Wednesday night was, do you even send Kluber back out there, right? He's at something of an advanced age. Do you want to risk this arm that you hope is a factor in September and October for you by by chasing a no-hitter, which I feel like is a really nice accomplishment in a career, but certainly not determinant of, of a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, you're not going to... And also, you know, you don't want to blow a guy's arm out, certainly trying to get one. But you're right. Wednesday, man, it was it was a no-brainer. We went on no-hitter watch in the newsroom, I think, in about the seventh inning. And I said, first question was, how many pitches does he have? And yep. once, once that was, like, not even in doubt, you think, okay, he's probably going to get it then, the way he's rolling. But again, a lot of things go into it, including some luck. So that's why it seems a little bit of an anomaly to me that there have been so many in this short period of time. And like I said, we could go the whole rest of the season and not see one. Mm -hmm. So look, I I still love a no-hitter, and I don't care how many there are, I'm still going to go on no-hitter watch in the seventh inning of a game, even if it's not a local team like it was last night, which made it, of course, all the better. Look, it's sad that there have been six no-hitters so far this season. Jacob deGrom doesn't have one. You know, it feels like he's a guy who should go out and throw two if they're going to be, quote-unquote, easier to get now. So I, 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 I want the Mets to get a no-hitter this season. That's what I'm focusing in on now. I want the Mets to get one because you know how I feel about the Santana no-hitter. It was, yeah. a, fair, it was a fair ball down the line, and if we had – replay challenge that would have been overturned and that wouldn't have been a no-hitter. I want it to stand up. I want it to be a legitimate one. So I want the Mets, in particular DeGrom, to throw a no-hitter this season. Let's make it the season of the no-hitter 
and let's get on board New York Metsies. Come on. I'm going to say this too about Corey Kluber and the Yankees signing of him. When they signed him one year, $11 million, I thought, here's a two-time Cy Young Award winner who just doesn't probably really have it anymore. I mean, he's he's faced injuries his last year in Cleveland. He, oh, by the way, he pitched for the Rangers last mm-hmm. season, and then he goes out and no hits his, I'll say, former team, but he but he really he really wasn't a factor for the Rangers last year. So for me, when Brian Cashman made, made this move with the Yankees, I thought, nice signing, but probably not going to be a, a big deal. If the Yankees are going to win games, it's going to be because Garrett Cole is great, and yes, he is still that. Luis Severino has come back from injury, and he has returned to you know a, a, a top two, three starter type level guy. Now that hasn't happened. Um, Jordan Montgomery takes a step forward. We've seen that. But Kluber bags gets his fourth win of the season. He's got an ERA now under three. And I'm going to raise my hand and say I was wrong. I was wrong about Corey Kluber because Kluber, forget the the record or the like, and forget the no hitter. Corey Kluber has been a really good starter for the Yankees. And through a month and a half, I've seen nothing to suggest that he can't be really good to help this team make a push towards the division title. So I was wrong on this one. This was a terrific signing. No matter how it goes from here, this one was smart and it's paid off so far. Yeah, for all the conversation about the Bronx Bombers and they're going to live and die by the home run and you can't rely on that in the playoffs. Yeah, you need the pitching in the playoffs. And if that is going to round into shape the way the Yankees want, look out come postseason time. They're going to be legitimate title contenders, as they should be every year, being the New York Yankees. But you're right. That was the question mark. And now we're seeing some of those pieces come into place. So Yankee fans should be excited for the rest of the season, for sure. There's a reunion in the NFL. Tim Tebow with Urban Meyer. Mm. but not at the quarterback position. This thing is, we, we've been hearing a lot about it since draft night. It is really coming together now. What do we think about Tebow coming back to the NFL? Can he find his way at a different position other than quarterback? Uh, we've got NFL power rankings in preseason. What do you see who's number three? Because I can already tell you, you know who one and two are. Flip-flop them however you want, but you know who one and two are. Where do you see who number three is on Mm. that list? And we'll get into the NBA playoffs, and we're going to do it next with our guy, Kevin Herter. Bags cannot wait to talk with Kev as the Hawks and Knicks get ready for a first-round matchup. That's coming up next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. With four locations in the 518, Bold has you covered. Delicious? I think that's a yes. It's never been easier or more affordable to eat healthy. Salads with 17 dressings to choose from. Acai bowls with unlimited toppings. Power grain bowls, oatmeals, smoothies, artisan toasts, and Belgian waffles. Live bold seven days a week. At work, home, or on the go. Dine in, grab and go, pick up or delivery. Live bold, eat bold. Teams. Athletes. organizations we're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose claim your crown
And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhaus. All right, Bags, the NBA playoffs, man. We debate this all the time. If you can only have one type of playoff format, what are you choosing? And I, I am... I have zero conviction because I kind of just go from season to season. And now the NBA playoffs are here. I'm all in with that and the Stanley Cup postseason, man. I know you are especially fired up. Best of seven because, look, in any one-game scenario, anything can happen. You get a best out of seven, the best team is going to win. And that's what we want. We want it to be decided on the field, on the court in this case. And that's what we're going to get with all these great playoff matchups we have. A lot of them in the first round. This is going to be yeah. a good playoffs really from start to finish, which not to say that's new unique, but we have some matchups, especially with the playing tournament, adding some interest where it's like, well, you know, the 1-8, the 2-7, not exactly what they used to be. So this is going to be exciting from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, in the West, could you imagine if it were L.A. and Utah? In the real first round, crazy stuff. And how about this? I mean, it just in sports, the stars align sometimes. And our guy, Kevin Herter, made his NBA debut at Madison Square Garden. Now he's going to make his playoff debut at Madison Square Garden. It's just crazy that he comes back to the home state for his first postseason appearance. And we've got Kev on the show. Kevin Herter, of course, from Shen with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Kev, how are you, man? It's good to see you. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good, brother. Uh, congrats on the playoffs. I know you're pumped, and I know more than that, you're busy. So let's dive right into it. Um, the most important question I have for you is, I'm just back from Hawaii. I am not sunburned, but that's because of steady application of sunscreen. You strike me, though, as a redhead who might deal in, in the sun better than I would. Yeah, no. I mean, it's there's there's a science to it. It's like the first couple of days you get out on vacation, you got a heavy, heavy sunscreen, and then by the end of the week, for me, it's you can you can start to uh, to be a little more a little bolder with it. You know, you can uh, go down in, in SPF, and I get down to usually about thirty, nothing under thirty. Um, by the end of the week, we we might be able to come out with a mini tan, but if you try to go in there early week, it's not it's not going well. I feel your pain. All right, Baxter, that's all ginger, I had for him. This is a ginger sandwich, Chris. I'm in a ginger <laughs> sandwich here. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question about basketball, man. How excited are you? So this is it, your first playoffs. What is the excitement level like for you? How are you balancing that anxiety versus that excitement right now? Yeah, it's really exciting. It's it's actually it's nice. Yeah, we have this whole week. Our last game was on Sunday, and we don't play again until Sunday. So we have really a week where we can get our bodies right. You can practice. You can fully prepare for the grind of a playoff series. And obviously, I've never been in one, but all the vets on our team are just have been very honest about how much different it is in the regular season, how much more physical it is, how every team just they know so much more about you, and that just a playoff game is. It's so much different from a regular season game. I feel like that's all I've heard about for the last couple of days or so. So I'm really excited. Obviously, getting to play back up in New York, that only means it's easier for my family to come to those games. And uh, like you said, my first game, my first regular season game was at MSG, and first playoff game will be there. I think the atmosphere might be a little bit different, but it's definitely something I'm excited for. And we'll get into that because I think it's only like 5,600 fans allowed at the Garden. I can't wait to find out how many ticket requests you've been juggling this so, week. It just went up to 13,000. Oh, okay. A report. a report just came out, I think, about an hour ago that I saw on my way home. That's awesome. All right. So now you get hassled with more ticket requests, I'm sure. Um, 
what for, just from the perspective of being new to this situation and leaning on some of the veterans before we talk about playing your first postseason game in New York, Kev, is ignorance bliss here? Do you kind of feel? I mean, there are a lot of guys on this team who haven't played a playoff game. Is that maybe an advantage to kind of go in bright eyed and fresh? I wouldn't call it an advantage. I think in this sense, you definitely you'd want to have experience. But the Knicks are kind of a team made up of similar guys as us, where a lot of the guys don't have playoff experience. And um, you know, I, I think we're going to go in, and we're a young team. I think that'll that in itself is should be an advantage. Just our energy level. I think our ability to to pressure teams defensively, offensively to get out transition. I think that's more of an advantage than our lack of experience. Is we want to use our youth, obviously, as in advantage the best we can. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I My perception of how this probably works is, you know, in the regular season, you focus a lot on your own team, like what you need to do to get better, what you need to do to work on. You look at trends over a period of games, and obviously you prepare for individual opponents. But now you're looking at playing one opponent up to seven times in a row. Is there more of a focus going in on, in this case, the Knicks and what they do and how you match up versus on what you have to do as the Atlanta Hawks? Is it a lot of both? How is that balance? It's completely. It's We are completely honed in on, on one opponent. And I think that's, you know, we're talking, I think that's something that I'm most excited for about this series. It's the first time in my life you can sit here and you, you lock in on one team. And, you know, our film sessions are to this point have, have been very extensive and you get these booklets full of, every kind of information you'd ever know on a player. It's almost one of those things I'd, I'd love to see what they have on me, but you know, you know, every single player that these, these teams run, obviously, you know, which players they run for specific players, you know, where these players like to get their shots and every single tendency that you possibly can know about a guy is, is something that we have to study within the next couple of days. And um, it's a lot different because the way the NBA works, you only have usually one day in between each opponent. It's a lot of times a quick scouting report and you get to know their strengths and you watch, you know, a 30 minute film session with your team and you go out and you play. And in this, it's you're spending hours. I can't imagine how much time our coaches are spending doing it, but as players, you're spending hours trying to learn as much as you can about a team um, as you can in the next couple of days. But it's a lot. It's it's stuff again that I didn't even know they had stats for certain stuff and, and they do. And that's what we're studying. Game one at the Garden is Sunday. How many ticket requests are you juggling right now? Even just outside of the core family, your dad, your mom, your three siblings? Yeah, that's something I've, uh, I've tried to limit. My rookie year, we'd be coming in at at least 20, 20 plus. If I could, there'd be about 50 plus, but uh, usually a lot of friends of mine know by now that I usually can't help them out. But immediate family, it's it's whoever can make it out. Um, we shall see. I got, a, I got a lot of uncles and cousins who like to go to games, and especially when we're in New York. Um, but my immediate family, we got to see. My sisters have an AU tournament. Their Jillian has an AU tournament this weekend. Sorry, there's my dog growling. Um, that we'll see if they can get to the first one. But I know at least my parents will be there. Okay, hang on. What's your dog's name, and what's he growling at? Bentley. I think my girlfriend just got home, so <laughs> he likes to sit at he likes to sit at the front window and stare outside and, and growl at anything he can. So, Kev, you mentioned the preparation for the Knicks. Obviously, don't give away any of the scouting report here, but. What are some of the things you're focusing on with this team? The Knicks were one of the surprises in the NBA this year with the success they had and getting all the way up to a four seed in the playoffs. Obviously, Julius Randle has emerged as a, as a big all-star player now. When you look at this matchup and what you guys have compared to what they have, 
What do you think is important that you, number one, we've got to take care of this to have our best chance to win this series against New York? It's really, it's the head of the snake. It's, it's Julius Randle. He's a big part of really everything they do. Um, you know, they run almost every play down the court for him. He, he finds guys, he scores defensively. He's in a lot of ways, their intensity. Um, so he's obviously, he's a big focal point for us. The Knicks are kind of known. They have a really good bench. They have a lot of guys that come off the bench and are aggressive and looking for their shot, um, and, and play with a lot of confidence and guys that have had a lot of success against us in our first couple games playing in this year. So you start with Randall and then really their bench has been a big strength for them all year. Kev, you played a bunch of games in New York. Um, and back to one of Sean's earlier questions here, uh, do you care about what happened in the regular season series between these two sides? You don't. You try not to look too much into it. It's uh, it's funny. If you were to watch the first three games of the year, I think they're all – all three of them, honestly, were, were games we feel like we should have won. You know, we're up, I think, 20 at home the first time we played them, blow lead in the fourth quarter and lose. Our second game at the Garden, I think – you know, it's a close game. We lose in the fourth quarter. And our third game, the most recent one, we're up in the fourth quarter. Trey goes down with an injury. We end up losing in the fourth quarter. So every game, it's it's come down to the last last couple minutes of the game. Um, and so, you know, they got all three of them. That's definitely, you know, I don't know what their conference level is looking at. But it's not something that we pay too much attention to. And um, really the next seven games or so, that's, that's all that's really going to matter. What's behind this turnaround you see on the screen here, Kevin? I know I, I was—I didn't know him the way you did, and I was immediately a big Lloyd Pierce fan. I know you were as well. Can you put your finger on anything as to why the record is different with Nate McMillan as, as the head coach? Yeah, you know, we're running a little bit different stuff. You know, I think Nate per, slowly was able to put in a lot more of his offense, and, um, you know, he's – He's a little bit more organized where, you know, we were a lot more free-flowing with Lloyd and, and a lot of ball screens and playing out in transition. And, um, and with Nate, it's a little bit more half-court focused. You know, we have a lot more sets we run to slow the game down and, and really try to exploit matchups and, and get guys in different positions that I think they're succeeding. Um, but Lloyd was – he was great to me. My first couple of years, he played me a lot more than he probably should have. And um, a lot of that was due to injuries and having a young team. But, you know, Nate's been great for us. And um, obviously, we're looking to keep it going. Kevin, talk a little bit about your role on the team and how you feel like it's evolved as the team has added some different players. Um, do you feel like you're being asked to do the same amount as you were or a, a, a same amount maybe in different areas? And what do you think your role is going to be in particular in this series against the Knicks? I think similar. I really think all year they've kind of used me in a lot of different ways. And, you know, sometimes it's in the starting lineup, sometimes it's out of the starting lineup, you know, with the ball in my hands, without the ball in my hands, defensively guarding, you know, at, at most times one through three, sometimes one through four. Um, but I think that's kind of just the strength of my game is the ability to do a lot of different things. So we shall see. You know, I think our game plan going into the series, again, it's, you know, if I'm coming off the bench, it's trying to limit their bench guys to come in and, um, and try to be aggressive on the offensive end of the court. But um, we shall see. I think that's something that I'm interested to see, too. There's your hot streak in the month of April, man. That was a career-high 14 straight games and double figures for you. Uh, do you remember the game before that streak started? Uh, was that the San Antonio game where I didn't score? 
That's exactly what it was, man. Athlete yeah. recall gets me every time. <laughs> um, what We've talked about your evolving at Maryland and how Turge urged you on to be more of a scorer and be more aggressive with the ball. Have you gotten that? I know this is year three now, but have you gotten that from your coaches as well? Or maybe like a side text from Vince Carter or Dominique Wilkins? Like, hey, man, you, you got to be more aggressive. Look, go look for your shot. Yeah, that's. I think that's always something coaches are saying to me. Um, something that we watch back again in film, and um, especially coming off ball screens, they're trying to be aggressive when I'm in ball screens. It's looking for my shot, but also looking for other people. And um, a lot of that comes to my usage, and my usage kind of fluctuates too, depending on our lineups. Um, but that's something I think. You know, one of my strengths is is again with the ball in my hands, finding guys, kind of making plays, and you know, when I'm putting in positions to do that, I'm pretty effective at it. On the, for the most part, again, we're watching film on it. Um, so that's something, again, our coaches are trying to tell me to continue to be aggressive. So obviously the team, I mean, since you have joined it, you've seen it. It's It's been an evolution, man, where this team has taken a step forward every year. And now here you are in the playoffs. I guess when you look at this step overall, is it is it really important for you guys to get this playoff series win and get that under your belt now as you try to build ultimately to a championship team? Or do you feel like, you know what, we had a great year, we're kind of playing with house money here? Yeah, in a lot of ways it is house money. I think expectations going into the year was to get some sort of playoff experience. Um, and at this point, it's it's a series, obviously we're looking we're looking at a series that you know, we can and should win this series. And you know, our confidence is, is obviously super high. And um, the second half of the year, we've been one of the best teams in the East. And um, But again, I think if you look at the full course of the year, the youth of our team, the playoff experience of our team, you know, at this point, it's, it is a little bit of house, house money. And um, yeah, at this point, just us making here is, you know, I think as a fifth seed, not a position that a lot of people saw us being at the, at the beginning of the year. And uh, we're in a good, really, in a really good spot to win a series here. Yeah. And I, I mean, this isn't meant to be disrespect. This feels like the most coin flip first round series in the playoffs, Shawnee. I, you and I can talk about that and not Kevin here, but it feels like two sides that are really evenly matched. Uh, Kev, you you came on this show, to your credit, when we had no sponsors. I don't know that anybody was watching it. And you said to us, and now we're on TV for crying out loud. You said to me, to us then, your goal was to play every single game. You weren't going to worry about stats. You wanted to stay healthy and you want to play every single game. You played 69 of the 72. That's 96% that's, that's greater than anybody else on this team played um how, how do you feel you've gone through i know it isn't 82 games but you've gone through a rigor of a season that didn't start until close to christmas like how how does the body feel now and and are you looking at that number at the bottom of the screen and feeling proud that that you basically accomplished your goal yeah the lucky part for me is I'm, I'm still 22 years old so that's always i'm sure 69 games at this age feels a lot better than it would hopefully a couple of years from now um but you know, it's at this point in the season, everybody's body's a little bit beat up. Um, you know, there's there's aches and pains really everywhere, and um, that's just kind of the reality of the sport you're in, and, and that's the reality of all professional sports at this point in the season when you're entering entering a playoff type of atmosphere. But you know, your game's got to step up. You kind of got to figure it out a little bit. You got to get over some of the aches and pains and and do what you can to play each game. Um, it would have been nice to get all 72. I think that was definitely a goal of mine. Unfortunately. Had an injury a couple of weeks ago that ended that. Um, but I think I, you know, overall, my health this year has been a lot 
better than it has in past years. And obviously, you know, knocking on wood, they're going to keep that going over the next couple. All right. My last question for you is that you mentioned one of the things people have been talking about as you head into the playoffs is how different it is in particular because of the physicality and people kind of joke in the NBA. Well, they, you know, I really start playing defense when you get into the postseason. So how do you prepare for that level of physicality? It seems as a novice to me, like something that would be really hard to practice for. How do you practice for getting your body banged around in a potential seven game series or hopefully even longer here as we go through, you know, more than one round of the playoffs, you would hope. How do you prepare for an added level of physicality? You know, I think first that definitely starts in practice. And we actually, we had a really good practice today and um, got up and down, scrimmaged a lot. And, and it was intense and guys were being physical. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes mentally, you know, mentally being ready to, to play through foul calls that, and a lot of times would have been called over the course of the regular season and no longer going to be called uh, in the playoffs and not being ready to, to every time there's a touch foul, trying to look at the referee to bail you out. Um, but that is, you know, the playoffs, they're, they're kind of known to be more physical, even watching last night's games. There's seem to be a lot of plays and a lot of calls that, that players would have gotten if we were in the regular season that refs kind of let, um, let the players play through last night. And you can see how much different the game's going to be, but Mentally, you got to be ready for it. And then, you know, physically, you do what you can in practice to try to create that type of atmosphere. And you get your treatment after the game and you go do it again. All right. We're going to be nosy. What's the inscription on the Vince Carter jersey behind you? <laughs> uh, I got to look. My God, Vince. He, me and Vince, are really, he, Vince was like the dad of the team that last year. So he just <laughs> said, it's been a pleasure. BC is 15. Um, so that's something I'll, I'll keep for a while. But, Obviously, as you people, if you guys watch all our games, Vince does most of our games, and uh, yep. he's really good at what he does now. Are you uh, are you closing the gap on the golf course with him? Definitely, Vince. Vince plays like six times a week, so I don't. It might take me a long time to be able to close the gap on that, but uh, my golf game is for sure a work in progress. Okay, one of the last ones here. What's the more impressive Tony Snell stat? The shot, the fact that he shot fifty-seven percent from downtown, insane, or that he hasn't missed a free throw the last two seasons? We won't mention that it's only been like forty-three attempts. <laughs> I mean, both those stats are insane. I think you know that he was the well, the fifth, the first fifty-fifty one hundred club or something. I mean, that right. stat is is ridiculous. Uh, so I'm going to go with his his fifty-seven percent three-point field goal. Just it, it almost feels that like every time he shoots, you, you expect it to go in. It's like right away, it's you, it's almost like you just turn and you start running running the other way down the court. Um, the guy's been unbelievable all year. He gets his work in every day. It's kind of one of those guys like a true professional. He's every day. It's like he has the same routine. Same routine. He gets all the shots in. Um, yeah, he he knows what he knows what his strengths are. Knows what his weaknesses are. And you know, he sticks to what he does. And at the end of the day, the guy just bangs threes. And finally, dude, I know big things are coming to Half Moon. This is the Impact Athletic Center. You see the website there at the bottom of that uh, of that sign. Uh, it is evolved, and I don't know who took these pictures, but we stole them. So whoever took them, thanks. Um, big things happening, Kev. That I know you're part of this, and obviously your dad, uh, Thomas, is heavily involved as well. Man, are you pumped for, to see this thing really kind of come to fruition? It is, and and the best I can do right now is I keep seeing pictures of it. You know, my family back home has just been raving about 
how much it's come along really in the past couple of weeks and just the eye test. It was, it was tough for people to feel like it was close without actually seeing it. And I think if you were to drive by it now up in Half Moon, you'd, you'd realize how real it is and, and how big it looks right there next to the road. But uh, we're hoping to be we're hoping to be up in September. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of different people that worked really hard and um, we're hoping to, to have it up soon. And I think I think the court goes in hopefully at some point this summer, end of July. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things working there. Again, if you haven't driven by it, I think you'd be surprised at how big it is. But it's a great project and uh, it's moving along, like, moving along nicely right now and just looking to get to the finish line. When all the courts are in up there and, and you're home, will will you be uh, game enough to take on Chris and myself in a game of horse? Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> no, what we can definitely doing? make that happen. We can definitely make that happen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Cool. <laughs> I mean, do we even – Bags ask questions all the time, like, do we have any chance of, like, making contact against Jacob deGrom? Um, and the answer is no. Pete and Cavillia, who's the new Valley Cats manager last week, said, no, you guys have no chance. Would we even get a letter off Kevin? No, because he he could just dunk the whole time. Yeah. Well, no. We yeah, had to exactly. be shooting, just shooting, which I know, look, that's going to be – that's his specialty. But, yes, no, we can't allow that. Come on. As I say, we can. I mean, we can make whatever rules you want. It's the fact is, we could just go straight to dunking. We could. I don't know. Usually, when I play my sisters one on one, now I'm not allowed to shoot in the paint. Um, so <laughs> everyone's used to making rules like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, believe me, we're going to come up with some ridiculous rules to try to give us a little bit of a chance. We would not beat his sisters in horse either. So I'm not. No, I'm no shame at all losing no. to, to Kevin. <laughs> or, you know. No. There's no. We have no chance. No, nobody in the Herder family. Nobody. nobody. No. <laughs> It'd be fun though. It'd be fun. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll make it happen. We'll find a way. Kev, man, thank you so much for all the time, dude. Game one against the Knicks is Sunday. Uh, it's been great catching up with you and can't wait to see you in person at the Impact Athletic Center real soon, man. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Good right, luck, Kev, man. Be well, thank buddy. You. Good luck, man. Yeah, go get him. I, I, I'm allowed to root against the Knicks, right? I mean, I'm going to. So I don't care if I'm allowed to or not. I'm going to. As a Nets fan, please root against the Knicks. Come yeah. on. And you got to root for Kevin anyway. So this is an easy one. Of course. Yeah, the yeah, Knicks. No, the <laughs> Knicks. Come on. Look, no doubt Julius Randle's been great. They play, they're playing defense as we talked about. But as I've long said, my biggest concern with the Knicks is that now you get to the postseason, everybody's going to play defense. Yeah. So are the Knicks going to have enough offense, enough firepower now to really hang in these games? And, and for the defense they play, they're still going to have their hands full with this Hawks offense. So I'm excited for this series. I'll save our prediction on it for a little bit later in the show, but um, I'll say six games. I'll I'll tell you who's going to win later on. At Marcello's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Genair, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. Happiness is found in simple things. The sun on your face, sharing laughs, at the campground, getting wet, relaxing together, the love of family. There's never been a better time to go outside and play. Alpenhouse Pool Spa Boat and RV. 
bringing families together and creating memories since 1964. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. Chris Honorado and Sean Bagnardi back with you here now. And Shawnee, um, great to catch up with our guy, Kevin Herter, of course. It always is. Uh, You say one of those teams is going to win in six games. Which one is it? That would be Kevin Herter's Atlanta Hawks. Mm. Yeah, I like them just because of the offense. But you you said it early here, this is going to be kind of a coin flip of a series, and it might be the best first-round series. In terms of the matchup, it might not end up being the first round, the best first-round series because I do think at least one or two will probably end up going seven. And like I just said, I don't think this is one of them. But this is – they're so evenly matched. They're so young and have playoff inexperience makes it really interesting. And I'm on Atlanta. Now, I know I, I like that you're making some of our Knicks viewers, fans angry here with your oh, Nets comments. Yeah, I know you don't care. Uh, look, I'm taking the Hawks, too. I'm taking the Hawks, too. Come on. I'm going to root against games? Kevin Herter. No chance. Um, I th- I hate to just go six with you here. Six is always like the safe default. A series ends in six. Um, I'll take Atlanta in six as well. A, well, a game seven sense. at the Garden, I don't love. Then that's why. That's why six makes sense because game six would be them at home with a chance to close out the series. If it goes seven, I would favor the Knicks at home, yeah. but I just don't think it's going to. And look, we talked about it being a coin flip of a series. Game one, New York is a point and a half favorite. Yeah, exactly. And and then that basically means that. I mean, it depends on what happens, but yep. when Atlanta's at home, they'll be favorites. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm sure they probably will be, like you said, depending upon what happens in games uh, one and two. All right, we're going to dive deeper into the NBA playoffs here before we say goodbye. Uh, but before we do any of that, bags, there's NFL news here. Now, I love lists. It creates good conversation. You and I talk about who ranks where all time and all that stuff, as, as any average fan would do. Right. There are sports talk shows out there who would say, don't talk about NFL power rankings. It's boring. Not to me, it isn't, especially not before the season starts. And so I saw this list of NFL power rankings. It's a preseason poll, if you will. And what jumped out to me was, yes, who's number one, but more so what team is number three. And if you take a look at it here, it's the Chiefs at one. Okay, not shocking, right? Because I think most people would argue the Chiefs have the best chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. But look at the Bills at three. Would you put the Bills that high? In other words, in terms of Super Bowl contenders bags, is it Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and then Buffalo? Okay, I'll get to what we're looking at here in a second. But I have to address the fact that you're dead wrong about these power rankings. And, and you pointed out, especially because it's preseason. No, that's why I especially don't care about this. This is like saying, "Hey, um, here are the, here are the best teams before any games." Or if the season ended today, <laughs> and it hasn't even started yet. Come on, no, I can't. This is look. You turn me around a little bit on the mock drafts. This is 
terrible power rankings in the preseason. And I know you say the NFL sells, man. That's what we got to talk about is the NFL. Everybody loves the NFL. We're yep. talking about preseason power rankings. Yes. You know, this is like a list that my girlfriend gives me before going to the grocery store. You know, because the second I walk in the door, it's all thrown <laughs> out the window. And that's what this is. Once week one hits, then we'll know what's going on in the NFL. But go ahead. Put him back up. I'd love to talk about him. All right. Okay. So would you put – yeah, First you'd love all, to talk about him now. The, the last thing I want to do is hear from you now after you've dismissed the idea of talking about NFL power rankings. Yes. Give us your opinion. Okay. Who played in the Super Bowl, Chris? The Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Who won? The Buccaneers. Explain this to me. Well, I know. And and add on to that, did the defending champs bring everybody back? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this makes Do they no still sense. have the greatest quarterback of all time? So I don't even have to get yes. the three. I don't even have to get the three before this already doesn't make sense to me. Is this somehow trying to take into account whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be on Green Bay? Or this is saying, no, this is the roster as it is. Uh, this is the roster as it is. However, <laughs> yeah. the Packers have moved down a couple of ticks. Uh-huh. Uh, based on nothing. Down it, than it, the well, balloon. based, yeah. Oh, look, I mean, based on the idea that Rodgers may not be there but next that's year. Stupid because they're either third or fourth or they're 15th or 20th. Yeah. So, yeah. like, why move it down a couple of ticks? So that's another reason I hate it. I think the Rams are probably too high. Ooh. And Buffalo, I'm okay with. You know what? They I think the AFC obviously still goes through Kansas City, but Buffalo's a team that's taken those steps, going that right direction. I have them as the next best team in the AFC, so fine. Let's put them third. Yeah, I'm really okay with most of this. I would put Tampa at 1 just because they've earned it. Um, I'm good with Buffalo at three. Although, honestly, if you wanted to tell me the Rams are have the third best shot, I'm down with that because if I had to walk into a, a casino today and into a sports book to bet money that I felt like had good return value on it, uh, the Rams for me, right after that Stafford trade, I'm like, give me the Rams. Give Don't me you, the Rams. The Green to- Bay is still ahead of them, right? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, just in the hierarchy of of – yeah. I mean, you're not going to get a ton of value to bet the Packers to win the Super Bowl. But yeah, I, I would put with Aaron Rodgers there, give me Rodgers over Matthew Stafford any day of the week. And yeah, you know I mean, what the they Rams, say about Sundays. Rams, you know, they got to deal with Seattle too. So yeah, man, I'm power rankings. Jeez. Come on. Kick off the football. Then we'll tell you who's any good. My God. Uh, the Patriots are low. You saw them on the list at 19. Yeah, the Jets are awfully low there, too. I mean, they're not a good team. They're not a good team. Yeah. But fourth from the bottom? Yes, that's accurate. They have, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a rookie quarterback who's never played an NFL game before. You want them higher than 28th? Yeah. Please. How could how could it be? All right. How could how are they gonna be? You think they're gonna be worse than they were? Last year, not better. They might be better. They okay. might be better. I think they're going to be a little bit better too. So I, I just think, look, but there aren't that many teams low. who will be worse. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm getting at here. The Giants were 23rd. For those who care, we we've learned that Sean does not. Um, but I think it's interesting with all they've given Daniel Jones. Feels low. It feels low, but 
I think it's an indictment on what everybody has seen from Jones so far. This is, as we've talked about already too much, a prove-it type of year for Daniel Jones. Period. Yeah, Yeah, the turnovers have got to come down. He's got to show that he can be a guy you really trust throughout a game, and in particular late in a game. And if he does that... Yeah, this is a big prove it year for for sure, and he can prove it, and maybe he will. I, I'm I'm okay with Daniel Jones. I think you you bring around some better talent around him. I think he'll flourish more, and he's gonna get better as he as he gets more experience, gets a little bit older. You would think. So I'm not I'm not low on Daniel Jones or this Giants team, and and don't listen to the power rankings, Giants. You do you, New York. You'll be okay. Have you seen that the Tebow signing with the Jags is gaining even more momentum here? It appears like a one-year deal to play tight end, which of course brings a reunion about between the Heisman Trophy winning national champion quarterback at Florida with his former coach, Urban Meyer. Is this simply a PR move, Bags, or is this a power move So you're Jacksonville? You're telling me Tebow is not going to play for the Mets, who have a million injuries, because we could really use literally any breathing soul right now on the Mets. Um, bags, bags. The Mets have an outfielder. This is how. This will answer your question without a yes or no. The Mets have an outfielder who started his major league career at the plate with seven straight strikeouts. Is that right? Now, <laughs> right. now, now he's he's flashed some some leather in the yeah. outfield. But that will answer your question about whether or not Tebow has a place in a major league outfield. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I I always liked Tebow. I was high. On, I'm I'm high on Tebow the person, and I was high on Tebow the football player too because there was something about him. I mean, I'm not Skip Bayless over here, but I certainly got into there being something about him on the field that I just liked, and I felt like you would have a chance of winning. If you had this guy now, obviously that didn't always work out. Okay. And I think we know that the quarterback position is not the right position for him, but this guy's a football player. He's an athlete and you know what? I like it. I I like it. Give the guy a chance because Tebow's the kind of guy who, if you give him a chance, he just might surprise the hell out of you. Well, and look, I like this role. He's, he's going to be, you know, we, we call it a tight end, but for, you know, after his time in Denver, everybody's like, this guy should really be more of an H-back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he, let him block. Maybe he catches a couple of balls a game out of the backfield. This will give him an opportunity, if he makes the roster, to block and maybe contribute in the passing game by catching the ball and not throwing it. I, I want to see them run sort of a reverse play where – the ball is pitched to him, and then he throws a touchdown to Trevor Lawrence. Look, goal line situations. Yeah, he he might take direct snaps. That yeah. that is certainly an option and a weapon that the Jaguars would use again if he makes. The, like, like, what do you put in the odds that he even makes the roster? Ten percent. Yeah, I'm and that's generous, low. but ten percent. Yeah, low. All right, we still want to take a deeper dive into the NBA playoffs. The Lakers uh, have secured a spot now. Um, and it's not going to create the really interesting first-round matchup that I would have loved to have seen in the West. But LeBron was clutch 
Wednesday night to knock off the Warriors. We'll get into that. And then how dangerous is LA even as a seven seed in the West bags? Plus, we've got old school versus new school going on in Major League Baseball. Tony Mm. LaRussa and his comments in the past week have really stirred things up when he's talking about his own players. We're on that next. You're watching Honor Auto and Bagnardi. Hang on. At Marcella's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Jenner, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dillagaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dillagaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. And now, back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. All right, Pags, you know in LeBron James' career, there have been plenty of people who said, meh doesn't really have the clutch gene, which I'd love to learn like where that is in the DNA of, of somebody, the clutch gene itself. LeBron had it Wednesday night, man, tied at 100. He made the big shot, a deep three, shot clock running out, and the Lakers beat the Warriors 103-100 to secure the seventh seed in the West. Um, how dangerous is this Lakers team now moving forward, assuming, right, that – that health continues to be part of the equation on on the good side of fortune for Los Angeles, meaning, of course, James and Anthony Davis. As dangerous as they can possibly be. They're the world champions until they're not. They are the most experienced now, of course, after that championship run, and you got LeBron James, so that makes you the most experienced in the playoffs. The guy's been in the finals, it feels like, every year of his life. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they, to me, are the favorites in the West, if they're healthy, seven seed or not, and how could they not be? Who, who are you going to tell me? You can't name one team in the West who you would put above this Lakers team right now. You just can't do it. They are, until they get beaten, and until they get beaten four times, they are the world champions and they are the favorites in the West. I know. I hate to agree with you here because I, I want to. I have so much love for the Jazz, Mitchell and Gobert and Ingles and so much love. But I don't think I can go there. Um, the Clippers have a ton of talent. I don't think I can go there. The Nuggets now do not have Jamal Murray. They may have the MVP, but they don't have Jamal Murray. And so I'm I'm I can easily say Denver's not as much of a factor as they they could be. Yep. Phoenix, you know. I know, I know. How about how about I just skip over the Phoenix Suns? But, you know, yeah. I, but 
It, no, it's you're not going to pick Phoenix to beat the Lakers four times, as you've said. No, I don't. It's not. No, and Drummond adds a, a real nice element to this Lakers team yes. too. A guy who can just go out there and eat up rebounds and and be a huge body on the inside when you're extending the floor with Anthony Davis. You got LeBron James healthy in the postseason with other legitimate weapons. You got to go with that. If you've learned anything, this would be like betting against Tom Brady, which you so famously do. If you've learned anything from watching the sport for the last decade and a half, LeBron James. You're right. For as much as I have picked against Brady, uh, I've done that many times in LeBron's career as well. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it right now, or at least I'm not going to do it today. Okay. I'm not going to okay. do it today. That's for sure. Um, all right. Over to baseball here again, Bags. You you want to say something about your Brooklyn Nets? I, I don't have a great amount of interest in the Eastern Conference until we get to the next round, to be quite honest. I like you. how you said over to baseball and then asked me about a basketball team. No, they, the, the East is going to go through Brooklyn. They, they should be the favorites in the East as a fan. I, I don't say that as a fan of the team. I say this as a fan of basketball. If the big three are healthy, which it looks like they finally are, then they should be the favorites. Um, I'm not worried about Philadelphia or Milwaukee or even Miami beating this team three time, four times in a series. I'd be more worried about the Heat, frankly, than even Philly or the Bucks. But I'm, I'm taking the Nets. We already talked about Corey Kluber's no-hitter and the fact that it was the sixth in baseball this season. This maybe is getting even more headlines than the no-hitters. We had two in the last week, uh, four in the last 15 days. But Tony LaRusse's comments, he is the White Sox manager, 76 years old. This is an old-school versus new-school type of conversation here. Is he right to criticize his own player, and that is Yermin Mercedes, for swinging 3-0 against a position player in a blowout and hitting a home run, or is he now out of touch with the way baseball and professional sports in general are being managed with players and personalities? Uh, he's, he's wrong here, and this bothers me because I lean old school in just about every old school, new school argument when it comes to baseball. I don't like how the game has evolved and and being in this strikeout or home run kind of era, but he's he's dead wrong on this, man. There are certain things in sports. You take a knee in football, right, when you can just kill the clock that way and you have the lead. In yep. basketball, you take a shot clock violation at the very end of the game, you know, if you can't dribble out the clock all the way. No. This is not an example. You don't stop playing. What are you going to do? Stand. You, you should stand there and take ball four against a position player and have this game just go on forever. You try to put the ball in play. Look, if you don't want a position player in there, then have a pitcher in the game, right? I mean, if you want to stop another team from doing something offensively, do something better defensively. He's up there to be a hitter. That's what. That's his job. So go take. Go and look. These guys get paid based on what they do, do they not, right? Yes. So certain stats that are going to come into play yes. when it's contract time, that extra hit, that extra home run, it all adds in. That's how these guys literally make their living. So no, don't tell me as a hitter in a major league game, I got to go up there and stand there and not swing the bat if I got a chance to get a hit. No, I I'm, I'm going to, even if the game is decided, 
I'm going to go up there to be a hitter because that's my job. Here was Larusa post game after Mercedes hit that ninth inning homer off. It was Williams Astudio, who was the position player, it was a three zero count in the ninth inning, and the score was fifteen to four. White Did he throw a strike? He threw it close enough to the plate for Mercedes to hit it out. Uh, Larusa's comment was, "He made a mistake. There will be a consequence. He has to endure." within our family. And then LaRusso went on to say, I heard he said something like, I play my game. No, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball, respects the game, respects the opponents, and he's got to respect the signs. Now, here is an added element we haven't talked about yet, is that apparently the third base coach gave Mercedes the take sign. Okay. He ignored it and swung away. Now, if that is true, I have an issue here. Because we all have done things, been forced, if you will, to do things in our professional careers that we don't want to do because somebody has the say to make us do those. Th that's the way life goes. Yep. Um, if this is the case that LaRusa signaled from the dugout to his third base coach, hey, take sign here. We're not swinging. We're up by 11 runs. It's the ninth inning and a 3-0 count against a position player. Then I'm not cool with him swinging away. I but, agree with you. The last line of that is right. The rest of it is wrong. Don't give me the respect yes. the game crack. Don't give me the respect the opponents. You respect the opponent by playing the game against them. That's what you do. You don't take it easy on a major league team. To me, that's more disrespectful. I agree. And I feel that way about any other sport. Like, And I know there are the unwritten rules like you mentioned in football and basketball already. But if, if guys want to play to the final buzzer, I'm okay with that. Here's what yeah. I hate. I hate when a team is losing and you've emptied the benches and now you get some gym class hero out there who wants to press full court on the losing team. And he wants to like press and try to be the hero. It's like, dude, you're losing. Like, let's just play this thing out a little bit. It doesn't have to become a hardcore finish uh, to the end every single game. But but if you want to compete to the very end, I'm good with that. If you don't want to take a shot clock violation, if you don't want to take all of that much of a knee, I'm I'm good with that. Let's play the game. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're talking about a professional sport. Yes. This isn't high school, right? Where you say, yeah, we're drubbing this team. They can't even get, get off the field. Different story. Right. Right. In any professional sport, you play the game and you play it to the end. That's what you do. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, Albany Empire return next weekend, Bags. How about that? Sweet. That is local and happening. The Valley Cats are right around the corner as well. Thanks for watching, everybody. You've been watching Honorado and Bagnardi right here on the News Channel 13 Facebook page as well as on my board. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. We'll see you next week.